Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Welcome to Over My Dead Body, my podcast about a new dad. I'm your host, Alex Livington-Cox. And in terms of what's news, I went to the gym for the first time in about six months uh, to try to get rid of this dad body. I sank further physically than I have in recent memory. Jesus Christ, I'm in bad shape. My partner and I also started having some pretty serious conversations about what our work situation is going to look like in regards to childcare costs. So that might be a subject of a podcast later on, but that's just what's been occupying our time this week. This week, I'm talking about dad leave. Um, Something that I am on right now, it is something that I value very highly. It is something that I have had to ask for twice. I asked my previous employer for some uh, father's leave. They did not have a policy in place. Um, I asked for it when they recruited me, and they said yes, and then they sacked me a about three and a half months later, um, because the work had dried up. That was a really shitty thing to do. I'd like to say I don't have hard feelings against the guy who hired me, but seriously, man, what the fuck? I have asked for father's leave with my current employer as well, who's been very generous. Very generous. And while I would, I would say that When it comes to people who are self-employed, you can almost disregard this because your destiny is in your own hands. You owe it to your partner to ask your employer for father's leave. They should at least give you an explanation as to why it is that they're not offering it, if they're not offering it. Uh, Because father's leave is important for two reasons. The most obvious is so that you can spend time with your kid. But there is more pressure on our generation as men to ask for father's leave because if we don't, the person who pays the price is going to be the mum because she has to take more time out of her career to care for the child. You know, I have a, a proudly feminist partner and it's, it's not like I'm hostile to it or anything. I, I w- always thought that I wanted to take some father's leave if the opportunity was going to be presented. I have absorbed all of those glaring stats like Annabelle Crabb's latest quarterly essay includes some statistics that show that a man's hours of professional work and housework don't really change with the arrival of a child, but a woman's number of hours worked and number of hours of housework changed drastically in the wake of having a child. And we've all seen those graphs talking about, you know, a man's projected income is completely uninterrupted by the birth of a child. In fact, there's some stats to suggest that they even go up after having a kid. But a woman's income level collapses. The only way that we're going to correct those two anomalies is if men are allowed to take some of the burden off the mother, and I'm talking about work at home and the burden off her career. Why aren't more men doing this? She makes a few observations in there that are quite telling, but the most important one, I think, is... Well, the most damning, the most glaring, is that the Australian Sex Discrimination Act explicitly allows workplaces to discriminate against men when making decisions about parental leave. The idea came about when parental leave was first introduced by the Hawke government. I think it was in the 80s, might have been the early 90s. 
And they needed to make sure that the system wasn't going to be rorted by men because at the time, the task of raising children was still fulfilled solely by the mother. Dads were an appendage to all of this. End of story. Well, that's starting to change. We're starting to see the short-sightedness of policies like that. There are cultural issues too. Another stat that's quoted by uh, the Annabelle Crabb piece is that there was a study conducted by Bain of a thousand Australian business people and it said that men were twice as likely as women to have requests for flexible work refused. I can remember in a business that I worked in not too long ago, the chief executive made it known that if a woman takes time out of her career to care for a child, she should not be penalised. But if a man does the same, then he will. I don't think he was making a value statement. I think he was saying something that was realistic, that men are still discriminated against if they ask for flexibility to take care of their kids. They are penalised more for absenteeism or a lack of presenteeism. The labour market economics of this policy problem are just overwhelming, but one big glaring one is that there are generous parental leave policies in industries that are dominated by women. We think of teaching would be probably the most obvious one. And what those industries are effectively doing is cross-subsidising the parental leave of their partner's industry. So, so if you've got a couple that's got um, a mum who is a teacher and a guy who works in construction, the obvious path of least resistance is for the mum to take advantage of the generous parental leave entitlements that her union has secured for her and her male counterparts that are used, but are used primarily by female teachers and for the dad to just keep working. And probably... If he works in construction, if he's in regular work, he's probably earning a better wage than she is anyway. So it becomes a simple it becomes a simple solution. But you're delaying a problem by short-circuiting the mother's career. And the price that you the other price that you pay is that the dad just doesn't get as much time with their kid. And the situation very quickly snowballs where the mother's career has to be more flexible so that she can do more of the school pickups and more of all of just the sheer number of tasks that you need to do in order to keep a house running when you've got kids there. And the dad's work is largely uninterrupted. And when you combine that with the cultural stigma that men still face when it comes to asking for flexible work arrangements, it's understandable why men don't speak up, but we have to. You've got to ask. I've asked twice. Uh, It's not much for the rest of you guys listening to ask once. So let's talk about my situation. My partner and I agreed that we wanted to give our daughter six months of of primary care. So one person at home taking care of her at any time for six months. In Australia, there are 18 weeks of paid parental leave available um, to a primary carer. At the time we made the call, it would be smarter for my partner to take the 18 weeks in one big chunk at the start, which turned out to be a good call because she had an emergency caesarean, so we wouldn't want to be chopping that up when another factor to take into account is her recovery. And then I would take whatever leave entitlements I could get from my current employer and then as much unpaid leave as I could get to get up to that six-month mark. So as it turns out, my employer has been very generous 
Uh, about half of my dad leave is paid leave and the other half is unpaid leave. And I'm very humbled uh, to be given it. And I feel even more humbled when I think about uh, a mate of mine. It's a new mate of mine, actually. He works for one of the biggest retailers in the country. And he wanted to take his two weeks of government-funded father's leave, which is at the minimum wage. By the way, like, not all dads, like, a worrying proportion of dads don't take their government-funded father's leave. Seriously, guys, get off your fucking ass and take that. You don't have much of an entitlement from the government, but there is something there for you. Go and get it. Anyway, so he wanted to take his two weeks of dad leave, and his boss was under a severe amount of pressure at work and said, like, look, there's a restructure coming. I might lose my job. Can you only take one week and come back to work for me? My personal opinion on that is fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. How dare you ask that of a new father? That's absolutely inexcusable, and I personally think it should be a sacrable offence. My mate, on the other hand, has a lot of empathy for his boss, uh, who did end up losing his job. He's like, don't hate my boss, hate the high-pressure environment that we all work in. And we're all aware of all of those behaviours that an organisation will revert to when it's under stress. I just kind of think that you could not possibly ask a mother to do that in the same circumstances. There is a mother in this story when you're asking a father to come back to work early. There is a mum at home who's just had a kid who has been expecting her partner to get his two weeks of leave, which is not a lot to ask for, for that crazy period in the immediate aftermath of the birth. And the dad is asked to come back to work a week early. Sure, his boss might be a good guy working in a bad system, but that has, that has to stop. That can't keep happening. When something like that happens, that story spreads between men like fucking wildfire. This is what happened to me in the immediate aftermath of the birth. What the, what's the rest of my career going to look like? It scares the shit out of us for asking for permission to help our partner. So I won't sink the boot into his boss, but seriously, that's really fucked up. That shouldn't be allowed to happen. So yeah, he went back to work a week after his child was born. And these two are migrants, like, they have no help. They've got no family members living in town. So his, his wife was just instantly on her own. I hope that boss really needed him because his partner and his kid really needed him. My workplace should not be in the position to trump one of the biggest retailers in the country with father's leave. I work in an upstart media company. You know, we've got maybe maybe 10 people are currently salaried. And he works for one of the biggest retailers in the country. We don't have the labour to be able to cover my absence. The short-term labour market for journalism is very poor. Once people get out of the industry, they tend to get out permanently. The freelancer market is really, really difficult to navigate. It only occurred to me just as I was about to go on leave that the ability to cover my skill set was going to be a big challenge and while I'm pleased to see that 
they have managed to secure some short-term work to cover my absence. I know that my colleagues have have had to pick up some of the slack. And so I'm very humbled that they are doing that because it allows me to spend time with my daughter in these crucial early days. And it allows my partner to get back to work sooner and pay a smaller price career-wise for her decision to have children with me. And I hope that I work with mostly women. I hope that if they choose to go, I can, I don't think it's betraying anything that the two women in particular that might have kids in the next sort of five to 10 years or so, uh, five to 10 years or so are women. You know, I ideally hope that their partners get the support that they've given me because it's really crucial as a dude that you get the support from your workplace so that you don't feel like a piece of shit for taking your partner out of work for a prolonged period of time to have your kid. So guys, you gotta ask. You gotta ask. Except if you run your own small business. But the other unusual thing about that example, that contrast between my pokey little upstart media company and one of the biggest retailers in Australia is that dad leave is the domain of the most powerful companies in the country. It was Medibank Private that, so I'm quoting uh, Crab's essay, it was Medibank Private that abolished the distinction between primary and secondary care leave in March 2018. The idea was to start breaking down that stereotype that women should be the primary caregiver and men are the sort of accessory on top of that. It was also to try to break down a problem that had emerged where companies were hesitant to support partners when their partner was at home. So if you had two partners who were at home taking care of the kids, companies were hesitant to pay for that. Medibank Private was the first company to realise that that was short-sighted policymaking, that partners do need a bit of time to build their relationship, build their family together, and it's normally only a week or so in the six months that a child is getting primary care. So good on Medibank Private for doing that. Accenture recently introduced 18 weeks of paid parental leave for both primary and secondary carers. Southeast Water recently increased paid parental leave from two to 14 weeks. Um, it's now paying superannuation for the unpaid portion of parental leave. Uh, reduced the minimum waiting time uh, to access paid parental leave from 12 to six months. Bank of Queensland just increased their uh, primary care leave policy from 13 to 16 weeks, secondary care leave from three to four weeks. No minimum tenure. You sign up to work for Bank of Queensland tomorrow. You have a baby the next day. You are on leave for, th for 16 weeks. It's pretty cool. Uh, Transgrid, uh, they're an electricity infrastructure company. Um, they launched a uh, share the care initiative, which includes gender neutral pay parental leave policy. A coaching program that supports parents returning uh, from both primary and secondary care leave and funding top up for vacation care for employees of primary age children during school holidays, which is something that me and my partner are going to have to deal with. And in Crab's essay, um, you know, she also quotes, I think it's Telstra. Yeah, I think it's um, Telstra leave entitlements. What you'll see from all of these examples is they are major, mostly private, I think there's one public company in there. And when you look for the most generous parental leave entitlements, they are almost exclusively the biggest companies in the country. 
um, all their government agencies, major government agencies. And the problem for men is that is that more often than not, the government scheme will be taken up by the mother. So maternity leave is, to a large extent, a government-funded system, but paternity leave is provided by the marketplace, which means, of course, that it's incredibly unequal. So in electricity, gas, water, and waste services, 88.5% of organisations are offering some form of paid parental leave, which is pretty cool. Unsurprisingly, right behind is education and training, 84.2%. So those are your teachers, the long spells of mat leave that we're all familiar with from the education sector. Financial and insurance services, some of the most generous policies around are at your big banks. Um, that comes in at 73.3% of organisations. Right down the bottom, retail trade, 19.8% are offering paid parental leave. Construction, 22.1%. I don't know what the solution is here. I think the simple solution is to expand parental leave and quarantine an amount of it for dads on the basis of use it or lose it. But there are cultural issues that need to be addressed as well. I think we can fix that by more dads asking. So dads, if you're listening to this, ask. A lot of the messages that are given to mothers about the sort of support that they need in the aftermath of the birth, I'm talking about a birth in the aftermath. I'm talking about it like it's a disaster. It's, one of the, it's like the best period of your life. Anyway, I think there would be some value. Each business looking not at the employee but at the couple and looking at them, it's almost like they have to set up a joint venture with the other partner's employer. So like once you find out that your employee is having a kid and they tell you, look, I'm totally committed to the company, I just need a bit of time um, to take care of my kid and support my partner getting back to work and vice versa, you know, the managers from each business give each other a call. You know, if, if that had happened at my business, the call would have gone something like this. My partner's boss would have said, um, yeah, look, you know, we're losing a staff member for four months and she's the most senior writer that we have. So it's going to be hard to cover her absence for, for four and a bit months, assuming she comes back after that, because sometimes it could take a bit longer, but she can take as much time as she needs. And we welcome her back in whatever capacity when she comes back. That's basically what she was told. And then I think my employer would say, yeah, four and a bit months is a long time. We're going to lose our staff member for two and a bit months. So we're up in that regard. But we're paying for four weeks of dad leave, full salary. What are you doing? And I'll be like, fuck, like, yeah, I'm losing my employee for more time, but I'm not losing a fucking dime out of it. You know, the other dudes that she works with, they're picking up the slack. Um, yeah, I'm not actually paying for it. All right. Maybe they might learn something from that call. You know, I doubt that my buddy that works at the retailer 
And I doubt that that phone call would go very well. You know, they'd be like, yeah, you've got some generous maternity leave entitlements. Great. I need my worker back at work because he's a dude and they don't do the child rearing. Zing. Yeah, I'm not saying that that sort of system would work. <sighs> Maybe even at all. But in the absence of something like that, it's couples that have to navigate all of that politics. And I'm, you know, four and a half months in, and it's pretty difficult. And when I talk to parents who are a little bit further down the road, they're like, yeah, it stays difficult. The start's the hardest, but it stays difficult. So that's episode three. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.